Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can't wait to drop this don't you? Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song and my songs gon' break through like a running back. Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Although after today, dare we say also the podcast that is up to speed with NASCAR. I will let everyone at home be the judge of that. My name is Mark Hamilton, and not joining me today is my friend. My colleague, my neighbor, my frenemy, Mr. Mark Daly. And that's because this is a continuation of our interview series. Now, in my opinion, an interview is very much like an exam or a test. If you are prepped and if you do your homework, there is no reason to be nervous. However, today was a little bit different. I, I'd done my homework. I'd done as much prep as I could possibly do. I'd shared the outline. I thought about the questions. I collaborated with some people in the community to make sure we had a really great outline, but I was still a little bit nervous. And that's because the guest of today's podcast competes in a motorsports discipline that admittedly I don't know a lot about. Her name is Amber Balkin, and she is an absolute sensation, especially on the south side of the Canada-U.S. border. Amber grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She is a third-generation race car driver. Her father competed. Her grandfather competed. But importantly, she was the first member of her family to break out of dirt track racing to compete on the tarmac. When she was young, Amber competed in go-karting before making the transition to mini sprints or sprint racing on dirt. She was identified as a potential talent for NASCAR. At a young age, with no promises and with no guarantees, she uprooted her entire life to make the move south of the border to North Carolina, the absolute heartbeat of stock car racing in the United States and globally. In just her first full season of stock car racing, Amber became the first Canadian woman to win a NASCAR-sanctioned race in the United States. I had a lot of fun interviewing Amber today. She was a fantastic guest. And I have to be honest, upon reflection, when I look back at this interview, if I learned anything today, aside from her amazing journey... Aside from the amazing accolades that she's earned competing in motorsports, is that personally, I haven't given this sport, stock car racing, NASCAR sanctioned events, the credit and respect that it deserves. Amber's had a fantastic journey. This is a great interview. I hope everybody enjoys it. We're going to take a quick commercial break to pay some of the proverbial bills. But as soon as we get back, we are going to play that interview with Amber. Like I said, she was fantastic. She was gracious. She made tremendous time for us. Her story is fascinating. And we'll connect with her in just a minute. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton. And like I said a couple of minutes ago, Mr. Mark Daly is not joining us today because we have a very special guest joining us after a fantastic weekend at Talladega where she had a fantastic finish is Amber Balkin. Amber, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. The very cool thing about our audience is that a lot of them, while predominantly Formula One or open wheel racing centric, a lot of them are new to motorsports and are hungry to learn about other motorsports. And I think having somebody like you on the show is cool because it could possibly act as an entry point for somebody that wants to learn more about another discipline of motorsports. So having said all of that and knowing that maybe our audience isn't as stock car racing or NASCAR centric as some of the shows you probably appear on, maybe take a minute to introduce yourself and share some of the things that you would think that people would want to know about you. Yeah, so my name is Amber Balkin. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and I now live in North Carolina. I moved here because how I like to explain it is if you want to be a country music star, you move to Nashville. If you want to be actress, you move to Hollywood. If you want to be a NASCAR driver, you move to North Carolina. This is where all the race shops are. This is where NASCAR headquarters is. Um, it's the place to be. If you want to work in NASCAR, whether it's a driver, engineer, crew chief, this is the place. So um, I would consider myself a NASCAR driver. I race in NASCAR's Arc Menard series or, or, or ARCA driver. Just more people are familiar with the NASCAR series than ARCA. Um, but we are in the one of the four national series of NASCAR. So it's really cool. We get to race all over the USA, get to race at really great tracks like Daytona and Talladega, which we were just at this past weekend. So it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I got to ask you where you started. And every time we get a driver on the show, we always want to hear about their roots, how they got into to motorsports. I understand that for you, it was 10, 11 years old. You got into karting. Do you remember the first time that you went to a karting track? What was the experience like? And what was it about karting that you felt so captivating that you wanted to go back for more and more? Yeah. So I grew up in a racing family. So I'm a third generation race car driver. My mom's father raced my grandfather. And then my dad races still to this day as well. We all grew up dirt track racing and so my younger or my older boy cousins race go-karts and I watch would watch them race go-karts and I really wanted to get into it as well and then it was uh quite a few years of me begging and, and pleading to to my dad to let him let me race 
And uh, finally, at 10 years old, we pulled the trigger and started racing. And that was going to be my next question. So I think sometimes the dads, at least what we've learned from a lot of our a lot of our guests, has been that the dads are generally okay, but sometimes there's a little bit more resistance from the mom. How was your mom? Did she embrace it? Did she warm up to it as you got more and more comfortable with the sport? So it was actually the opposite for me. Um, my dad did not want me to race, and my mom was like, no, like this is our daughter. My dad didn't let me race because I was a girl, and we're not doing this to our daughter like if our daughter wants to race she we have to let her race and then so my dad was like all right but you're gonna raise all the money on your own to get this go-kart and you're gonna work on the go-kart this is a lot of time money commitment and you need to show that you're serious about this so for the last 20 years i've been raising my own sponsorship dollars have paid for everything on my own i've either owned all my own race cars or driven for people and and brought sponsorship so um he made it tough on me but it's good because it made me a tough girl <laughs> well talk about that a little bit so you you started with karting which i think is typically the place that most young drivers start but at some point you transitioned to dirt track racing what was that adjustment like and why the transition to dirt track racing? Is it because it was more popular regionally to where you were or maybe it was something that ran in your family? Yeah, so I actually grew up racing on dirt in go-karts as well. I raced oval dirt. I raced a couple pavement races, but like 98% of it was oval dirt track. So dirt was my roots. That's what my whole family had done. That's what I grew up watching. So it was very easy to decide that we were going to do dirt oval carts and then from karting we moved up to mini sprints which was uh, open wheel like smaller sprint cars then we moved up to 410 sprint cars and that was all on dirt i also raced midgets on dirt a few years ago so my background is actually primarily oval dirt track racing i just switched to the pavement side of racing in 2016. how would you describe dirt track racing sprint racing to somebody that's maybe more familiar with tarmac racing open wheel racing and and what are the cars like both in terms of function and as as an experience to drive yeah so i think the most obvious um difference would be the racing surface it's dirt instead of pavement so it's much more loose how i'd describe it is imagine going 100 mile an hour on the highway versus 100 mile an hour on a dirt road it's going to feel way sketchier on a dirt road even though it's the same speed so similar um kind of in dirt track racing you know we're drifting a lot more where uh it feels like we're going really fast and uh, the power to weight ratio in sprint cars is absolutely insane. It's more like F1 that way where we have really large engines in the cars and the cars weigh only about 1,300 pounds where now I'm in a full body stock car that weighs you know, upwards of 2,000 pounds and has about 650 horsepower. So um, the dirt track racing power to weight ratio, crazy. Very and the racing surface very very loose, so um, a lot of fun, but maybe not the safest form of racing. <laughs> so you come from a family that has a tremendous amount of motorsports heritage, which is fantastic. Obviously, you're hungry to get into motorsports. It's something that you worked very very hard, both on the track and off the track. At what point did you start to realize, or maybe somebody in your family realized, or maybe a coach began to realize that? wow, this is something that she could do perhaps long-term or more permanently. Yeah, when I first started racing, I just wanted to do it because I knew that I loved it. Uh, my first race, I think I got second. My second race, I won. And once, not only did I love it, but I was like, wow, like I'm actually pretty good at this. But I grew up in a family where they all had nine to five jobs and raced uh, local dirt tracks on weekends. And so when you're grown up in something like that, sometimes you think that's where the ceiling is. So my goal was always to race 410 sprint cars. Well, 
Well, after racing four ten sprint cars, I just graduated from college. I then went to university to get my four year degree, and um, it was early twenties. So that's kind of when any early twenties person is like, "What am I doing with my life? What should I do with my life? What What do I want to do going forward?" And racing took up every part of my mind. It's all I could think about when I was in class and uh, all I wanted to do was race cars. And so I actually dropped out of university and told my parents, you know, I, I wanna try to make this a real career and, and go racing. And around that time as well, the NASCAR diversity program reached out to me and said, have you ever thought about NASCAR? And at that point, it just seemed like such a far-fetched dream that I hadn't really thought about it. You know, obviously I watched uh, the NASCAR Cup Series on Sundays and um, knew quite a bit about NASCAR, but never driven in NASCAR. So um, yeah, that really opened up my mind. I went down to Charlotte and, and checked out the area and I was like, I want to do this. And so I, I brought my life savings, sold my vehicle and, and moved to North Carolina and uh, pursued NASCAR. Is it common for somebody to make that transition to, to tarmac racing? I think there are quite a few NASCAR drivers that do come from dirt, but the percentage of dirt track racers that make that leap and make that step to try NASCAR or pavement racing in general is very, very low. Um, the cost of it, it just, it costs so much money to, to race in NASCAR. So for me, I had to get to raise all that sponsorship to be able to go to that level. Um, as a Canadian, being able to move to the States, getting an immigration lawyer, getting the visa, and then moving there and not being able to work other than racing um, makes it tough too and so there there are so many obstacles to move from a local dirt track racer to NASCAR that it, it makes it very difficult and it and sca scary for some people you know it's um, the percentage of people that actually make it into the NASCAR Cup Series has to be less than you know 0.01% it's a very very small percentage of race car drivers who can make it there so um, I was I don't know if it's crazy or stupid enough to think that I could do that, but either way, I went for it, and um, it's it was challenging. I had a lot of really tough years where you know I couldn't find the sponsorship, and um, it you know you'd think I, I won a big race and thought the sponsorship would come, and it didn't, and um, so it really really tested my mental toughness. But I'm I'm happy because it's built me into the person I am today. During your transition to stock car racing, was there anything specific about that? discipline of racing that you found particularly challenging, either the breaking points or when you would hit the throttle, when you would shift down, and maybe even just the, and I don't want to say brutality, but NASCAR is definitely a bump and grind type of series, which is a little bit different than the type of racing that I think a lot of our listeners are familiar to. What are the type of things that you really had to build up your skill set and adjust to when it came to tarmac racing? Yeah, I was so naive when I made the switch. I mean, I didn't, not only getting in the car, but just like knowing the NASCAR industry in general is so different than the dirt track racing industry. So learning the industry, learning the types of car, different cars, types of different classes, um, where to start, how to start, what are the good teams, what are the bad teams. And then once you get in a car and, and find a team, um, the actual discipline of driving is completely different than the dirt track sprint cars that I was used to. Um, you know, with dirt track, you, you really go off a lot of feel uh, underneath your butt what the car is doing you're and then as far as the racing surface you're looking for the traction in the track the track's always changing in dirt you can run up high in one and two and then down low in three and four and vice versa the op the, the next lap where in pavement racing you have to hit your exact same mark every single lap absolutely perfect to like the millimeter it's you have to be so perfect so exact so consistent and so disciplined 
um, for 150 laps or dirt track racing, you got to be good for 25 laps. So the physical toll on the body is completely different. Um, like for example, this last weekend at Talladega, I lost five pounds just in a couple hours, just because we sweat so much. It's over hundred degrees in the cars. Um, and we're in the cars for two hours. So the, the discipline of racing on pavement versus versus uh, dirt is just completely different. And I think I watched drivers like Kyle Larson, who's an amazing race car driver, came from dirt and he made the transition look so easy, but it's not nearly as easy as he made it look because they are two completely different disciplines, even though they're both race cars. I've read in the past that when you were in karting and even when you were in dirt track racing, sprint racing, you've always been incredibly hands-on with the setup of your car and getting it ready for a race. What was the transition like to NASCAR? Presumably that the teams are maybe a little bit bigger than you've had, but presumably even if you aren't as hands-on as I'm sure most drivers are, how much feedback and how much of your input uh, is required to get that car set up for a race weekend? Yeah, that's a great question. Another big difference is that when I raced dirt, I worked on my own cars. Now switching to pavement, we have teams of crew who do absolutely everything. And um, I had to learn these cars and learn the, you know, okay, when we make this change, it it does this and this change affects this part of the car and that. And not only the actual driving of the car, but the communication is so, so important in pavement racing where in dirt, we don't have a spotter. We don't, we're not talking to our crew chief. You know, we get out of the car and tell them if it was loose or tight type of thing where in pavement racing, you have to let your crew chief know what the car is doing entering the corner, what it's doing in the middle of the corner, what it's doing exiting the corner. You know, absolutely every detail of the car you have to communicate to them so they can make the proper adjustments because in pavement racing, your car has to be perfect. And if your car's not perfect, you're not able to win. It doesn't matter how good of a race car driver you are, you need to have a good car. And the only way they can make the car better is if the driver is relaying the proper information and communication so that they can make the proper adjustments to make the car better. So um, I'd say last year is where I really kind of learned went went through that learning curve of what exactly the car is doing, be able to break down what it's doing and communicate it in a clear way so that my crew knows what to do. And, um, I think, I think that's one of probably the biggest differences between pavement and, and dirt racing. There's a perception sometimes, I think, especially outside of the NASCAR world, that NASCAR is all oval, oval, oval. That's not the case. And every oval itself differs dramatically from the oval that comes before it. And of course, there's there's road racing as well. How significant or how different can the setup be from weekend to weekend? Is it pretty significant? Does the arrow change at all? So it's extremely different to the point where we have different cars for different tracks because the setup isn't enough. So for example, we were at Daytona or sorry, Talladega this weekend, but we ran the same car this weekend as we did at Daytona. Next, we're going to Kansas. So we'll take our intermediate cars. Then we have our short track cars. Then we have our road course cars and we have our dirt cars. So the really great thing about the series that I'm racing, the Arc Menard series, is you get a little bit of everything. You get the super speedways, you get the mile and a half, you get the half miles we were on at Bristol. And then we also go to uh, two dirt tracks at DeCoin. And then we go to two road courses, which uh, Mid Ohio and Watkins Glen. So I have never stepped foot on a road course in my entire life. So I'm actually going next week up to Watkins Glen to, to practice because 
I'm, I don't really know how to turn right. I've only <laughs> ever turned left my whole life. So uh, just learning the mechanics of that is going to be a huge learning curve in itself. But I'm excited for it. And I think that's what makes our series so great is we have a little bit of everything. It really tests us drivers to see what our skills are capable of. You spoke to this right at the beginning of the interview, but I'm very curious to know about the development ladder for somebody that's in the NASCAR, the stock car ecosystem. What does the development ladder look like? And how does somebody get from being an eight, nine, 10, 10 year old wide eyed boy or girl that has aspirations to getting to that next level and experiencing the journey that you've had? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I think the best place to start is obviously go-karts. It's where you're going to learn all your fundamentals and also it costs the least amount. Um, Then, you you know, whether you're going the pavement route or dirt route pavement, it seems like legend cars are the way that a lot of people go. For me, I I like having a dirt background. It teaches you throttle control, teaches you car control. I think there's a lot of good aspects that you can transfer over to pavement racing Um, and also for a little bit cheaper, I think. And then um, from there, you want to go to a bigger stock car, like a late model. So I raced uh, Asheville late models for a while and then moved up to the ARCA series. There's the ARCA East, ARCA West, and then ARCA Menards. The ARCA Menards is the national. Um, So last year I did a couple races in the ARCA West and then moved up to the national ARCA Menards series this season. Next would be either truck, Xfinity, or and then from there, you'd go to cup. So um, quite a lot of steps to get there. <laughs> wow. Nilly, one of our great listeners wanted me to ask this question. And I think for a lot of our listeners, we're pretty familiar with the idea of physical training and open wheel racing. It's a ton of core training, strength training, cardio, but Formula One has different demands and NASCAR has significantly different demands. And NASCAR, and you know, I'm going to get a ton of hate mail for this, but my perception is it's a much more physically demanding race. You can be in the car for much longer than a Formula One driver will. Maybe you don't have the G-forces, but the sheer physicality of the sport in terms of that bumper-to-bumper, wheel-to-wheel racing is significantly different. What does your physical training regimen look like, and what are the things that you would typically focus on most during the off-season and maybe during the um, in-season as well? Yeah, so I actually probably train the hardest in the off-season. Even though it's off season, it's really a time that I do the most work. Um, And I have a driver trainer, so he works specifically with race car drivers. So a lot of what we do is very driver specific. Um, And so I work, I work out with him for an hour and a half each day, and then I work out on my own for either thirty to an hour, thirty minutes to an hour. So I work out twice a day. Um, With him, it's a lot of strength training. 
um, a little bit of cardio, endurance. We also train our neck quite a bit. So we have this thing called the iron neck that we put on our head. Um, then there's an the actual neck weighted machine. So machine that works out just our neck for, for the G-forces of the cars. Um, it also is for concussion prevention or any type of brain injury con- um, prevention as well. And then we actually do a lot of sensory training as uh, as well. So kind of like near far-sighted training, um, reaction time, peripheral, all all the things that you wouldn't think of that happens in a race car, but when we're in those cars, a lot is happening around us. We need to be very aware. Our eyes need to be on point. Our reaction time needs to be on point and um, our, our sight and vision. So a lot of sensory training goes into this as well. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a criticism specifically of NASCAR because I think Indy and Formula One and WRC and MotoGP are all equally as guilty of this. But I think motorsports in general haven't been as inclusive historically as they should have been. And some sports and, and some of these disciplines are starting to make efforts to be more inclusive and to involve underrepresented groups. But I think the perception amongst the open wheel racing crowd is that NASCAR maybe lags behind. But, you know, as I've begun to learn more and more about NASCAR, that doesn't seem to be the case. And the sport seems to be doing some really encouraging things to make the sport more inclusive and to invite people that maybe haven't participated to be a part of it. And last year, there was a program launched, and I'm hoping you can speak about this a little bit, but called Accelerate Her, which was a movement to help get more women involved in the sport, both at the grassroots level and to give them the support they need to succeed at the professional level. You were invited to be a part of that. Maybe introduce our audience to the Accelerate Her program. Yeah, absolutely. So that actually just came out this February. So right before our first Daytona race. And it's a it's a great program to have a big sponsor like Bushlight, who sponsored NASCAR, been NASCAR for a really long time, say, step up and say, hey, you know, we want to be behind these girls. We want to show that they deserve to be there and they, they need to they need the help to be there. And the number one question I get is why aren't there more women in NASCAR? And it's because that we don't have the sponsorship helping us get there. And so for Bush Light to come on board and say, hey, we, we want to help these girls and we want to help bring them up the ranks of NASCAR, that's what we need. And I, I really hope it uh, allows more people to see what they're doing and want to jump on board too, because I can't move up and, and less I have the sponsors to move up with me. So um, to be a part of the Accelerate Her program and, and be a face of Bushlight, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think that segues perfectly into the next question. My next question here is how important is the role of sponsorship in, in stock car racing? How much of your time is spent on the business side of the racing, such as finding new sponsors, collaborating with existing sponsors, uh, doing appearances? And you've got a background in, in business education. How much does your school and your education help in this field? Yeah, so for me specifically, I would not be anywhere without sponsors. Most... A lot of the people I race against um, come from really wealthy families and their parents are able to write the check to, to be in these cars where that wasn't the case for me. You know, I had to work really hard to raise the money just to get on the track. So for me, just to be racing is an accomplishment in itself because I've had to raise millions of dollars on my on my own to, to do this. So um, to answer your question, I probably spend 90 95% of the time looking for sponsors, dealing with sponsor no- negotiations, um, marketing for sponsors, everything to do with sponsors. And then, you know, 2% of the time racing, 2% of the time uh, sleeping and, and then training as well. So um, most of our efforts are, are put towards working for our sponsors and wor- working to find more sponsors. 
How do you feel about having the opportunity to represent Canada? I love that off the top, you introduced yourself as Amber from Winnipeg, Canada. And I think in the US, there's probably a lot of explanation needed for where Winnipeg is, but Canadians yeah. get it. It's Manitoba. It's the home of the Jets. It's the home of home of the CFL Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. Um, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oh my God, way off. I'm the worst Canadian ever. But how, how proud are you that you get to represent Canada and wear the Maple Leaf? I see it on your race suit. I see it on the chin of your helmet. It fills me with joy. And I only wish there was a one half scale model of your helmet available because I would add it to the collection in a heartbeat. But how do you feel about having this opportunity? Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. But yeah, no, honestly, it means so much to be t- to be representing Canada. I'm the only full time Canadian female in the Arc Menard series right now. So um, and one of I think there's three or four of us in all of the national NASCAR series. So to be one of the faces is amazing. I mean, I'm really proud to be Canadian and I um, am also really proud to be down here racing in the U.S. to against these amazing race car drivers. They're extremely competitive. They really are the best of the best. And um, it just means a lot to me. It means a lot that I have I'm not only Canadian, but I have all Canadian sponsors. Uh, my team co-owner is also Canadian. So it's just a big Canadian pride here and we love it. Do you have any role models now or while growing up that helped inspire or inform your own personal journey in motorsports? I think I've always looked up to different race car drivers for different reasons. Uh, There's some that I've looked up to their work ethic, others their talent. Um, And then even seeing Danica Patrick, you know, in the Cup Series quite a few years ago when I was younger, just knowing that, wow, a female can make it there, you know? So um, I don't think there's one person in particular that's been a role model to me, but just uh, I take a little bit from everyone. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a cool sport. I like I like being here. <laughs> the topic of mental health in motorsports has become so much more prevalent in recent years. There's been a lot of debate about that the state of mental health amongst drivers and Indy and and Formula One. Have there been any open discussions about mental health and stock car racing? And and if so, what type of support maybe exists for drivers or members of teams and what is an absolutely pressure cooker of an industry? Mm -hmm. You know what? There really isn't. And um, I've started thought of starting a podcast myself and this makes me want to start it because I've definitely dealt with my own mental health issues through my racing career. I've been extremely depressed, had really bad anxiety, um, just some been in some really, really dark, low places. Uh, I think a lot of that comes when you have the lack of sponsorship and aren't able to race when you give up your whole life, you, you give up absolutely everything to race and you don't get to do what you love. You're just sitting there on the sidelines working to race, but not actually racing and so um that part of my career was really difficult and being able to get out of that and then once you're in it you know the pressures from your sponsors your team everyone that's supporting you to do well of course and so I actually spend a lot of time on mental health and mental toughness I read mindset books every single day I meditate I visualize and I actually worked on my mental aspect of things so much that it helped me get the sponsors to help me because I felt so much better. I think you really have to be good with yourself before everything else can be good around you. And when I was in those low places, I just worked on 
being a better Amber and being really mentally healthy and doing everything I could to make sure I was in a happy, positive, good headspace. And when you can be in that space, it makes everything else so much easier because I think back now, if if I had gotten the big sponsor and got to race in the big series back then, I mentally wouldn't have been tough enough for it. And now I am because I went through all that and, and now I know how to keep my mind good and keep it right. And um, we're going driving these race cars at you know 180 mile an hour 300 kilometers an hour our minds need to be right i think you sharing your personal journey and talking about your personal experiences and the things that you encountered and the way that you worked yourself through different circumstances would be incredibly valuable to people and i think you should absolutely pursue that podcast and you have our full support Amber, what are some of the things that you think other racing series can learn from NASCAR? And what are some of the things that NASCAR could learn from other racing series? That's a great question. I think NASCAR has done a phenomenal job the last couple of years of um, being more inclusive, making changes that so that everyone feels welcome, everyone feels excited for NASCAR. I think having people like Michael Jordan come in and be team owners, Pitbull come in and be team owners, they're helping make it more global. They're helping it make more mainstream, more cool, I guess you could say, um, and less of the stigma of the, you know, redneck sport. <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of positives with NASCAR. Uh, as far as what they could learn from others, I think F1 does a really great job of creating storylines. NASCAR, I think, is getting better at that as well. But uh, NASCAR F1 does a good job of the storylines. And I think having the Netflix show really helped with that. If NASCAR could get some type of Netflix show, I think that would really help. Um, Bob Wallace did have a special on Netflix called Race. And I think that was great. I hope a lot of people watch that because that gives pretty good insight into our sport and kind of what it's what it's about so i think they can definitely learn the storylines and, and the exposure that f1's had um if nascar can get that i think that'd be amazing but they've done an incredible job the last couple of years of, of making changes to make our sport um just more inclusive have more exposure and more just friendly to everyone like i think you know, if like football, for example, I feel like any everyone, like, why wouldn't you love football? And I, I want people to feel that about racing. Like, what isn't there to love about racing? And I think hopefully this interview can serve as an entry point for people to the sport, especially for our Canadian listeners, that sometimes you need to have that hometown hero yeah. or you need somebody that's relatable yeah. to get you interested in the sport. And to your point, Drive to Survive did that for Formula One because you start watching, you learn the personalities of the drivers, and then you're hooked. And I think if NASCAR could find a way to do that, maybe they can tap into that fervent base of motorsports fans that have that perception of the sport that you just said. It's, you know, it's that redneck sport. It's for Southerners only kind of thing, which isn't true. Right. You are a very successful motivational speaker. And we've just got a couple of questions here, a couple of questions left. But what are some of the themes that you touch on when you're doing your speeches and your presentations? I think a big one is like seeing it is believing it. You have to go for it. You have to believe in yourself and you have to put in the work to get there. I don't think um, anything is possible without a lot of hard work, a lot of perseverance, and uh, you're going to fail a lot along the way. And another big thing is just not letting the opinions of others dictate the decisions you make for yourself. I think anyone who's done anything really great in life Every person has been like, no, you're crazy. Why did you even think that could be possible? And I had every, I had people, everyone laughing at me when I said, yeah, I'm going to go be a NASCAR driver. Like, Amber, like, come on, G get real here, you know? But you have to be able to think big. You have to be able to believe that you can achieve these things. And um, 
you have to put in the work to get there. So I think that for is the majority of the kind of every genre of what I would put out there. <laughs> okay, I got to ask you this question and just a, I promise just a couple more, but try to try to set the stage for our listeners as to what it's like to be at one of the cathedrals of NASCAR, which really the cathedrals of motorsports, Talladega, Daytona. What is a weekend at one of those events like the atmosphere, the crowd, the energy? I think increasingly a lot of our listeners have now had the opportunity to go to Nashville to see Indy or Long Beach to see Indy, or maybe they went to Coda last year and they got to experience Formula One. But when I look at NASCAR, and I'm not historically been a big stock car fan, like the bucket list item for me is to be able to say I've been there and experienced it. What is a weekend like at one of these festivals of speed? Yeah, well, I may be biased, but I think that the NASCAR fans are the greatest fans in all of sports. I mean, they are so diehard. They're so loyal to their drivers. Um, they get so excited for the races, the tracks, and even like having my sponsors there that have them at Daytona and Talladega. Like they're like, wow, this is a dream come true. This is so exciting. It is so hype. It's so lit. It's just the energy is insane. And as a driver, you're, you're just excited to be there. You're grateful to be there and uh, you're going to do everything you can to win the race and do as well as you can. But um, it's, it's a really cool sport. I love it. <laughs> so I've got some rapid fire questions to help our audience learn a little bit more about your personality before we let you go here. The first one is this. What and this is serious journalism. What is your favorite Mario Kart character? Do you have one? Um, Probably Peach. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. Next question. When you're working out, you're getting pumped up to go racing. What are you listening to? What's in your headphones? I'm listening to Drake. Yes, yeah. that is the right answer. I was actually going to wear some OVO just to just to see if you would uh, see if you pick up on that. But congratulations, that is the right answer. Definitely. You have uh, won over the so hearts of the producer of the show. It's my goal to be to drive a, my race car in one of his videos. That's oh, my man. goal. <laughs> or at least get the Ovio Owl on the side of the car as a or sponsor. That. that would be cool. Yeah. Forever. I've wanted to see it on the side of a stock car, the big gold owl, or on the side of an open wheel racing car. That's yeah. awesome. We're bonding here. Yeah. Maybe maybe Drake's listening to this. And he can I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, I think I've got a few people close to his inner circle, so I'll, I'll definitely pass Let's along your happen. name. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite social media platform? Ooh, I think Instagram. I think that's one I'm most um, active on. However, I do like TikTok now. If if you want just like mindless, funny scrolling, TikTok's fun. <laughs> what is the last movie that you saw? Talladega Nights. <laughs> <laughs> so just like Talladega. I obviously had to watch Talladega Nights. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do with friends in the off season? Um, go for dinner. I really I'm a foodie. I love good food. So probably just go for dinner. Yeah. I think I think I know the answer to this one, but your favorite team sport and your favorite professional team? So it's now the Edmonton Elks. Last year, it was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but go Elks this year. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I like that. I, and I love the gold and green. That team looks fantastic. Yeah. Two more rapid fire questions here. Your guilty streaming pleasure. You actually have five minutes to yourself before you have to go to sleep and wake up for another long day of training. What is your guilty streaming pleasure? Like, are we talking TV shows or TV, TV show, shows? Yeah. Um, well, right now the new ep season of Selling Sunset just came out. And I love selling sunset. I like I think the the big houses that they sell is so cool. And then I'm just I like reality TV. I know a lot of people think it's silly, but it's good like mindless TV. <laughs> 
Totally. We just started season five last night and it's absolutely living up to expectations already. Awesome. I haven't started it yet, but we'll be soon. <laughs> who is your, if you had a favorite stock car racer, who would it be? Of all time? Of all time. On your Mount Rushmore, who would be up there? Oh, Mount Rushmore. Okay. That's a good one. I would say, that's a hard question. Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and... Like, I don't know if I want to go older or newer, like a Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, or like a Kyle Larson. So, I don't know. <laughs> okay, last question, and I'm going to let you go. I know you've had an incredibly long day. How can people follow you online? Where can they watch you, and how can they watch you race? And are there any of your really great sponsors that you'd like to shout out and recognize for their support while we've got you on the show? Absolutely. My primary sponsor of the whole season is Icon Direct. They're RV parts manufacturer out of Winkler, Manitoba. So again, Canadian company. If you have an RV, please go get your parts from uh, IconDirect.com. And then Glenn McLeod and Sons, their trucking company also out of Winnipeg and they've been with me for seven years so two super important people in my life and they're the reason that I get to race and as far as my social media channels everything's at Amber Balkan 10 my website amberbalkanracing.com I got some merchandise on there if you guys want to go check it out we just got some cool can koozies and is that all the question did I answer all the questions <laughs> that's that's oh where can people see you race so oh, for somebody yeah. north of the border somebody south of the border where can they tune in to watch you compete so half of our races are on Fox Sports 1. The other half are on Mav TV. Um, most are able to stream online somewhere. So um, I think there's like a NBC Gold Pass or something like that. But yeah, it's either on Fork, uh, Fox Sports 1 or Mav TV. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think for me and all of our listeners at home, this was incredibly enlightening to learn about another discipline of motorsports. Thank you so, so much. And we wish you nothing but the best for the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and bringing more motorsports into Canada. That that needs to happen. That's something I really want to do is get more Canadians interested in our sport. So I really appreciate what you do as well. So not only do we share a mutual admiration for Drake, but we also share this common goal of increasing the popularity and awareness of motorsports in Canada and of course throughout the United States given that's where most of our listeners are Amber once again I cannot thank you enough for listening for everybody listening at home thank you so much for tuning into this podcast we really hope you're enjoying the interview series one of our main objectives this year was to bring new compelling interesting content to your podcast feed and we really feel like the interview series is doing that and we're going to continue to find people with interesting perspectives and opinions and experiences to share with you at home if you are enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying the interview series, if you can give us a subscribe on Spotify, on Apple, it means a lot. And if you could be so generous, we would be incredibly honored if you could take a couple of minutes to give us a rating, a review. Trust me, it means the world to both of us. For now, that's everything we've got. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. I feel like a locomotive sipping, drinking Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner. Did a lot in California. Can't wait to drop this don't you? Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song, and my song's gon' break through like a running back.